Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? All right. Well, I'm so glad to be here with you this morning. It's so good to see so many of you. And uh, I see a few more people that you've been out. It's been summertime and you've been on vacation. You've been playing. Some of you have been straying, but we've been praying. And uh, we're just so glad to see you. And uh, this morning, we're going to start our second part of Jesus Is. Last week, I talked about Jesus being our best friend. And uh, I just want to let you know our goal in this series is for you to know Jesus more and that I want you to fall in love with him even more than you do. How many of you would like to say, Pastor Rob, I want my love for God to grow more than it's ever been? And so that's, that's the purpose. If you're looking for a strategy or what, what our ulterior motive is, I want you to fall in love with the Lord. And, uh, you know, just, uh, just, you know, when you see Jesus for who he really is, you're just never the same. You're just not. I'm, how many of you remember the day that you met him? And maybe you're here today and goes, I need to meet Jesus. Well, I want to give you just some, just some, some observations. And when you look at the scripture, what it says, and if you have your notes with you this morning, and come on, why don't you give the greeting team a hand? Because they just give out the notes faithfully. Come on. And I just appreciate them doing that. And, you know, this morning, if you saw in your notes, I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And it just says, in the message version, it says, You'll remember, friends, that when I came to you, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches or the latest philosophy. He says, I deliberately kept it plain and simple. He says, for Jesus and who he is, then Jesus and what he did, Jesus crucified. Last week I talked about what qualifies Jesus to be our best friend. You know, and he intercedes. It's like that literally that he knows what we walk through. He knows what we go through. He sees what we face. And and as he sees what we face, he intercedes before the Father. And he goes, Father, help them. They need help. I know what it's like. Jesus came as a man in the flesh, but he was a man. He dealt with temptations. He dealt with different circumstances and situations in his life. Every one of us. How many of you, let me ask you a question. How many of you have dealt with temptation this week? The rest of you are liars. Because, see, the reality is that every day we, ha- we face situations and we face circumstances and we need a best friend. We need someone that's going to be with us. And we know that we can stand in confidence. We can go before the throne of grace and knowing that Jesus knows what we face. And we can go and say, Lord, you know what I'm going through. You know what I need. I don't know how to do it, but I need your help. I need your grace. I need your power. I need to have hope in my circumstances. And see, today I want to, I want to, I want, I want us to see Jesus. Last week I talked about him being the best friend. This morning I want to talk to him about being a teacher. He's the greatest teacher that we that there's ever been. Believe it or not, you you can just I can't imagine, but I used to be a teacher. I used to teach third and fourth grade. And you don't believe me? I did at a, at a Christian school. So yep, I was Mr. Mr. McCann. And we had a lot. I, I mean, I love teaching. I had this one little guy, Terry Tharps, a little African-American guy. He, him, he was a really cool little kid. Came in one morning. We were talking about the power of the Holy Spirit and healing. And he had a throat. I can't talk. Mr. Mr. McCann, I can't talk. And we had this other little girl named Allison and stuff. And she just, uh, we started praying. And we asked, we asked the Lord to to touch him that morning because I was reading some books about the power of God and everything. And literally, i never forget, when, when I was there, and he, they would just have simple faith. 
You know, you get a third and fourth grader, okay, and you tell them stories that are exciting, that keep their imagination. And man, they, they were going, let's listen. And so we started praying for him. And all of a sudden, we're praying, and this little girl, she's praying. Her name's Allison. She starts, Lord, just pray. And her, her parents were going through a divorce. She was going through a hard time. And she started praying for him. And he, all of a sudden, God healed his throat. And he just went, ah! He screamed, I'm all better! It's gone! And then Allison, she, we'd been praying about the power, how to have the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. And we started praying for her, and she started speaking in tongues and started praising the Lord, and she started laughing, and the whole kids started laughing. You go, what in the world? I mean, I love being a teacher. They were easier to teach than some of you. You see... Uh, I, the thing I, that you see, he was the greatest teacher that ever lived. In the Bible that says there's 48 times in the Gospels where Jesus is preferred as the teacher. Not only that, people would sit for hours and even miss a sack lunch, even miss dinner, just to listen to what Jesus had to say. What makes a good teacher? I think what makes a good teacher, they have to be relevant. You ever have those Charlie Brown teachers? Yeah, what did I just say? <laughs> you know, they're just not relevant. Not only that, they're not authentic. But see, the thing is that I saw you see in Jesus, he believes in what he says, and he said things because it was an example. Everything he said was for an example for us to follow, to live by. Everything Jesus said was truth. How many you believe that? The Bible says the truth will set you free. And I had to come to a place just like many of you. I didn't know the Bible when I first, I wasn't a student of the Bible. The only time I read the Bible is when I had a nun in the, when I was a sophomore at Our Lady of Fatima. And she would come and she, we didn't, she goes, we're in, my religion classes, she'd open up the Bible and read the Bible. And I was late most mornings and she gave me a lot of grace. And she'd always have a biscuit and milk for me in the teacher's lounge. Because I needed help, believe me. And so I saw her example, and then I saw that she just loved the Word of God. And my grandmother was a Christian, and she would always quote me the Bible. I could be doing, I could be partying, 3 o'clock in the morning, get in my apartment. It's my grandmother, and she's the Lord gave me a scripture for you. And she started telling me the scripture. Now, to tell you what they were, I don't know, but it worked. But I remember being on the back in a boat, and we got in a storm, and I, I just began to go, I... I pulled out my Bible that had the bottom of my duffel bag because my deal was if the boat went down, God knew. My ticket to heaven was I had a Bible in my duffel bag. <laughs> and somehow me and, me and the Lord could work out a deal. Don't laugh at me. Some of you have had some strange deals too. But the thing I love about what Jesus, he gives us an example because he knows how, he knew how to live and he wanted to show us how to live and how we should face, how we could face things when we go through different things in our lives. The thing I love about Josh and Lindsay, even though they're facing a storm, they know that God has not let his hand loose over their lives. Are you hearing me? Every one of us face storms, but Jesus is the great. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's saying, hey, I'm going to show you what to do. I'm going to show you how to live. I love what John says. I have, set, I have set you as an example that you should do as I have done. 
He goes, I want to show you what to do when you face circumstances, when you face situations. I want to show you. This, this was right before Jesus was going to die on the cross. And he began to show them and give them an example of what humility was. I, you know what? Meekness doesn't mean weakness. Meekness means this, power under control. When they were whipping him, when they were hitting him, Jesus could have called out legions. Jesus could have just spoken a word, and it would have been a total wipeout, scorched earth. You understand what I'm saying? But he stood as an example. Even though when he suffered, he said, you know what? He, it was meekness. It was power under control. How many of you ever tried to have power under control and it didn't work? Come on, someone pull in front of you. Or they ding your door in Walmart. There's just different things. But see, one of the things I see is Jesus is going to show us how to live. You're going to face situations where you don't know what to do. How many of you ever had those situations? You don't know what to do? You know, we need to look to Jesus to show us what he did. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. What he did in situations. What he did. When you don't know what to do, you have an example. And his name is Jesus you see, Proverbs says that, there's, that there is a way which seems right to a man, but the end leads to death. Think about that. You ever have something where you thought it was right, and then you realize it was stupid? How many of you had friends, especially in high school, I mean, you had guys that were breaking out in zits and everything, and they're telling you all this stuff and tell, giving you counsel against what your parents were trying to tell you? Hello? And you listened to them before you listened to your parents? Remember those moments. Are y'all quiet for a reason? Okay. But see, in the absence of an example to look up to, here are ways we respond to difficulty. The first thing is, number one is, we try to fix ourselves. You ever try that? Try to fix our marriages, try to fix our finances, try to fix struggles we go through. You know, we are saying, I don't need anybody else. I can do it. How many you ever done that? Have you done something stupid when you've done that? I remember I have a scar right here on my head because one day I was trying to get this forearm stuck off of a shotgun that I had, and I was pulling with all my might to try to get it off, and I didn't want to listen to what people were telling me to do because I was going to figure it out. Anybody been there? And then someone tells you know, there's a release on that thing. I said, oh, release? The heck with And all of a sudden, I'm doing that, and I hit this little thing. Bang! And I got a scar. I mean, I split my head wide open. I mean, you know, I mean, stupid. Because I didn't want anybody to tell me what to do. I wanted to fix it myself. You know, when I've gone to prisons, there's a common there's a common theme when I go there. I, I've been able to minister one-on-one with guys in cells, and I've done it in other countries and stuff. But the one major theme that you find in prison, and guys that walk in prison, there was no daddy, no father, no example in their life. And it's, it's, it's amazing. They don't have a dad. They don't have an example. How many young men that I see that are trying to find out, figure out what is a man? You know, and just needed an example. And see, that's what I want to share with you this morning. It's, it's, we can't fix ourselves. The second thing, sometimes we look to others. There are people that are trying to give you, and this is the thing, that I, there's some people that try to give you a Dr. Phil and an Oprah counsel. That's not the kind of counsel you need, okay? 
Not Dr. Phil, and I'm not here to get on him or Oprah, but some just, you know, some, just, some of us just spin our wheels and, and we listen to worldly advice. And you just keep spinning your wheels. It's, like, it's kind of like putting your car in neutral and pressing the gas and expecting to go somewhere. And that's where we stay when we try to look for others sometimes that really don't have godly wisdom, godly example in their life or to give us the word of God to help us. The third thing is many times we learn to live. We learn to live without it. What do you mean? We just, we just feel like this is just the way it's going to be. This is the way I'm going to live. This is the way it's always going to be. And, and some of you might be in that place right now and you just want to give up. This is the way it's going to be. Where, 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 where I was, you know, I can remember where I was. This, I guess this is where it's going to be. I guess I'm going to just live like this the rest of my life. That's it. It's my lot in life. But I don't believe it has to be that way. How about you? You see, there's just one, there's, there's one last step we take after we explored all these options, trying to fix ourselves, look to others, say that's just it, but we need to turn to God. And sometimes, you know, what would happen if, it was, if that was the first response to our situation or our dilemma rather than the last response? Because many times, God's the last option. Any amens on that one? Y'all got real quiet on me on that one. You see, and that's where he needs to be the first response. And so this morning, Ephesians says like this. He says, watch what God does. Then you, then you do it. I like that. You need to underline that word, do it. Because God wants you to do it like children who learn. What do you do in school? What are you supposed to do in school? Okay, I understand. What are you supposed to do in school? Learn. He says, it's proper behavior from their parents. Most, most of what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Jesus wants you to learn from him. And he just wants you to do it. It's a life of obedience. You see... Ephesians, it says, you are God's chosen whom he loves. So try to be like him. In other words, God came and he says, I chose you. That you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. God chose you. God loves you enough that he chose you. So Jesus came to show us, number one is this, how to overcome temptation by the word of God. And you know the story Jesus was in the wilderness, he was tempted, he was fasting, he was hungry, he was weak, he was tired. Then the enemy comes. How many of you know the enemy comes when we're weak, we're tired, we're just exhausted? Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? That's when he comes. He comes, right at that moment. And we know when he came during this time, he said, man, hey, he told me, Jesus, if you're the son of God, won't you turn these stones into bread? And Jesus said, people don't live by bread alone, but but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then he took him to to a high place, to the temple. And the devil took him there, and and he took him to the highest point. And he said, if you are the son of God, for the scripture says, if you jump, the angels will protect you. And Jesus' response, you must not test the Lord your God. Then he brought him to a high mountain. 
And he showed him all the kingdoms of the earth. He said, I'll give all this to you if you just bow down and you worship me right now. And he says, you must worship the Lord God and serve him only. See, the power is available for every one of us through the word of God. The word of God brings power. The word of God brings deliverance. The word of God brings hope. The word of God is strong. The word of God in Ephesians said it's like a sword. That it cuts through everything. I mean, and see what the enemy wants to make you feel like, you know, they've had Superman. I went and saw the new Superman. It was pretty cool, okay? But the enemy tries to put kryptonite in your life. Oh, you can't, you can't. And it's all about doubt. It's all about insecurity. It's all about telling you what you can't do, what you can't accomplish. When God's saying, oh, no, the word of God can do anything. There are times, listen, when I've walked through situations, the valley of indecision, or sometimes the valley of hesitation. You ever been in the book of hesitations? Well, you're kind of hesitating. What do I do? Where do I go? What do, you know what? And instead of going to God and go, God, what do you do? What are you trying? The Bible says the word is, is a lamp unto our feet. It's like being in the dark. Listen, it's like being in the dark and not know where to go. And all of a sudden you turn on the light and you go, yeah, okay. Now I see where I'm going. Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night and didn't know where you were going? I've done that where I'm trying to sneak out. And you know, in my room, I have my closet door, and my door's right here. It's kind of a funky situation. But anyway, and, you know, you're trying to get out, and, and like, you think you've cleared everything, and all of a sudden, you didn't realize it, but the door was right, you know, bang! And Tracy, what's wrong? Oh, I was trying to help you. Well, I'm not sleeping now, you know what I mean? Just. But he said it's, it's a lamp. To our feet. What would it look like if we combated the enemy with the word of God? The first thing. Get behind me, Satan. You know, God's word wins every time. He win- it wins every time. We can't overcome tem- temptation without the word of God. That's why the Bible, David said, I hide God's word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Like Lindsay was saying, Psalms 1. He said, blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the wicked nor sin in the seat of scoffers, for his delight is in the law or the word of God. And it's not going to waver. It's like it's going to the stream of living water and beginning to drink that thing in a dry and thirsty and a desperate place where you find no hope. God's saying, if you just drink of my living water, you're going to get beyond. It's kind of getting to the other side. See, some of us, we stand on the bank and we just look and we go, man, I wish I was like them. I wish things were going like that for me. How come it's for them and it's not fair, God? Well, you know what? Test the water. Drink and see. Taste and see. That's right, taste. (laughs) We need more sound effects. We'll get those drummed up to in a minute. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Jesus knew he was going to, you know what, and and see, how do you face impossible, here's the second one, how do you face impossible situations? You know how you face them? By faith. Say it with me, by faith. Look at your neighbor, by faith. John 11, you know the story. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. If you want to go have a Bible verse competition, Jesus wept. 
It's in this verse where all of a sudden Jesus is coming. He's been away. He's ministering to people, speaking to people. He gets a message. Hey, your friend Lazarus, he's sick. You need to come. And he's walking in there and he says, if you believe. Do you have faith? Do you have faith to believe? God for anything. Oh, yes, God, anything. Then when he gets there, you know what happens? They, they, you know, Lord, if you would have been here, <laughs> Lazarus would have. She's clutching. If you would have been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. Jesus began to weep. We, you know the story. He said, hey, crack the tomb door open. And everybody, you know, if they were Cajun country, they go, man, Lord, you're going to think in there. going to be funky. Opens the door, dead four days. You ever been around something been dead for a few days? Real pleasant smell, isn't it? Lord, it's going to stink. Look at me. Sometimes you got to deal with stink. Hello? If your septic tank is plugged up, Don't want to have that picture, but it's plugged up. Somebody got to unplug it. Where is that going, Pastor? I don't know, but I'm trying. We're going somewhere with this. See, when God knows all the poop that gets in your life, all the junk we got to deal with, and but Lord, it's going to stink, but you know what? He said, you know, hey, if you have faith. And we know what he does. He comes, you know, the story. He comes, people are kind of, and he goes, Lazarus. Come forth. He comes out of the grave. See, Jesus knew was gonna, he was going to raise him. He wants to know if you think he can do what he said he can do. And here it is. Do you trust him? In other words, Hebrews says without faith, it's what? Come on. Y'all, y'all preach to me. Without faith, what? It's impossible to what? Please God. It's impossible to please God without complete trust, complete confidence no matter what no matter if it happens if we see it or not i trust god through this circumstance we all have to face situations that seem impossible hello i don't know what you're facing but you have to face impossible situations by faith you need the word of god and you need faith to trust god that he's able to deliver to the othermost there's nothing too hard for god Is there? There's nothing that's impossible and nothing justifies despair. Nothing justifies despair. We go, ah, give up. You can't give up. As a child of God, you keep pressing on and believing. The third thing is how to submit to God's plan. How do I submit to God's plan? Here it is, by obedience. This is a tough one. We all have this thing called flesh. Ever heard somebody say, man, I'm about to get in the flesh? You know what that means? It means I'm about to sin big time. That's what it means. I'm about to get in the flesh. We all have that where we just want to, have you ever had that where you just want to walk? The opposite direction, the way you know God wants you to walk. Come on. Can we be real and not be religious? 
Aren't there times we just go, I just want to do the opposite? How many of you sometimes it's, it's kind of a hassle living right and living, living to do the right thing? You ever have that? I remember one time I was in a hurry one day, and this lady, I'm, I think it was Walmart or something like that, and, 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 and uh, she gave me $10 too much. And some people, I know I've had people, oh, Lord bless me. <laughs> but I was in a hurry and I had to go somewhere, and I'm like, oh, and there's a line, and there's not enough checkout people in Walmart. Amen. Come on, I knew I'd get, look at that, people more... Lord, preach Walmart around here. People get excited. (laughs) But if you work for Walmart, please get more checkouters. But anyway, just God's dealing with me about patience all the time I go. But the thing is, it was a hassle. You know why? Excuse me. You gave me. I didn't give you too much. Yeah, look at my receipt. Oh, I'm sorry. One time, a bank... And Scott, when I used to work in Scott, my wife, they gave her, they cashed my check and they gave too much. And they tried to, she tried to go back. You couldn't go back. She had to wait for the weekend and all this other stuff. And they would have never known who they gave it to. And she had to go. It was a hassle. Hello? Sometimes it's a hassle. But it is a test. Jesus taught us how to submit to God's plan through obedience. Jesus had a unique plan for your life. He wants, he wants, all he wants is you to be obedient. Obedience means it's, 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 it's when God called me here to Jenny's, it had to be obedience. I had no house, no church, no people, but God called us here. Are you hearing me? The time we left for, uh, Seattle, where my wife's from, and to come to Louisiana, it was a step of obedience. And, you know, have you ever really submitted your life and your will to God? You see, Peter says this. He says, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow his steps. And remember he said, not my will, but what? Your will be done. I've had to say that sometimes in my own life. How about you? Lord, I really want to do this. (laughs) It would really feel better if I could do it this way. How many ever tried to be smarter than God? How many of you don't work? We go, man, I just, it's not about that. And see, I know this. He went, he went, Jesus went a little further and and he says, I bowed his face to the ground praying, Father, if it is possible, here he is on the cross. If it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. It's not comfortable. Can I just tell you something? Sometimes when God asks me to do something, it hasn't been comfortable and it didn't feel good. And you can name all the steps that you had to walk through in, in situations. You can name that spot. You can name that time where God was doing something in your life, and you can name it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And it was a definite, it was something definite God was doing. We all have to get to this point where we go, Lord, not my will. Not my will. Your will being done. I'm 53 years old. I'm still learning obedience. 
Can I just be honest with you? I'm still asking God to keep me teachable. Because sometimes you get to be my age. You can just be plain old stubborn. Thank you. Thank you, Angus. Well, you just be stubborn. Come on. Anybody stubborn in this room? You know, another word for stubborn is called pride. There's arrogant pride. And there's inferior pride. I can't do that. It's both pride. You see, God's trying to teach us. Just like your children. I love when I see my wife. She's correcting the children. She says, oh, it's one time. I don't have to tell you again. It's just one time you need to learn. Because I've seen some mamas. I'm going to go to Walmart again. Here we go. Don't grab that candy, baby. Well, I'm at this one. Put the candy back. Baby, no, we're not getting it. Mama. All right. I want to go. Come here. Don't do that to your mom. You know what I mean? My famous quote to one of my sons, he lives in Nashville. I won't tell you his name. I used to say this in my famous line with, what part of no don't you understand? What is it in no that you don't understand? Jesus said this. He learned obedience through the things in which he what? Suffered. Jesus suffered for you and me. And his example of obedience, not his will, not his way, but the way that his father wanted him to do things. And the last thing is, how do you show unconditional love? Just remember, you face impossible situations by faith. How do you face temptations by the word of God? How do you, how do you face God's plan? You walk in obedience. And the last thing, how do you show unconditional love? See, the greatest way God showed unconditional love to every one of us is this word right here, forgiveness. Remember the story of the woman? that came into Jesus' life, and he forgave her. She threw herself at his feet. And Jesus looked at her, and he says, be free. Be free. He was teaching how to forgive. Be free. Remember, later in the story, she intrudes in a dinner when he's there, and she, at a party where Jesus is sitting, and she breaks open an ointment, perfume that was a that was a year's wages and she began to break that because she had experienced forgiveness and the power of god by the word of god god spoke a word be free see i've learned this when someone sins against you you have two options you can either walk in forgiveness or you can walk in bitterness See, forgiveness expands our heart. Hello. How many of you ever had to forgive anybody? Hmm? Okay, let, let's do a test. How many of you been hurt? How many of you been treated wrong? Have you been spoken wrong? And, you know, you're going, Lord, I'll pray for him. Kill him. 
get them back. That's how we want to pray. Come on, let's be honest. First reaction most of the time isn't like, Lord, just bless them. Pour out your spirit and all this, you know, whatever. It's not that. Most of the time we got to deal with ourselves. But see, when you, when you do that, you know what you do? God does something in you. But you know he does that other person? He softens their heart to receive. I knew a lady that had been taken advantage of when she was a young girl. And she had to go to her, one of her relatives at the end when he was dying on his bed. And she forgave him for all the things he had done. And he began to weep. And he began to cry. And he said, I always want to do it, but thank you for coming to me. And she was able to pray with him and lead him to the Lord. She wasn't a victim anymore. She was an overcomer. You see, I love what Jesus says. He says, he says therefore I tell you, her sins, this girl, this woman, have been forgiven. As her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. But whoever is forgiven much loves much. So, so, you know, it just expands our heart. And it softens those people. You see, for, unforgiveness is like, this how, unforgiveness is like cancer. Because it won't stay where it starts. It likes to travel. That's what it is. Unforgiveness is a cancer. It's not supposed to be there. When you understand the word of God, the power of God, you understand me? You can look at that and go, hey. And sometimes the Bible says the eyes are the window of the soul. That you can look in someone's eyes. It's like a road map. It says they're hurt, they're bitter, they're shameful, they're hiding something. My mom always used to say, my wife always tell me, Bubba, you're a bad liar. I said, well, I try to, you know, I try to be slick sometimes. And, and she goes, you're so readable. And I go, well, no, I'm not. I always had my teacher say, you're so, man, can you, you did it, didn't you? No, I didn't do it. Yes, you did. I want God to read my heart. I want God to be able to say, hey, this is what's in you. And that you and I could be honest enough and real enough to say, God, cut it out of me. before it travels somewhere else. I've seen people that haven't dealt with that haven't dealt with things and have walked in unforgiveness and it's controlled their lives and they become ve- like the very person that they have hatred toward. They become just like them. And many times they perpetrate the very things that happen to them on other people because it's a trap of unforgiveness. You see, Jesus taught us. You know, he said, you know, indeed, he said, he said, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ is forgiving you. No one has been sinned against more than Jesus. Jesus said this, Father, forgive them. 
for they don't know what they're doing. He was flogged. He was beaten. He was whipped. He was spit on. There was a crown of thorns. He was betrayed. He was humiliated. Listen, some of you have been humiliated. Some of you have been betrayed. You know what betrayal is all about. Some of you have been slapped. Whipped. Beaten unjustifiably. Jesus saying, I know what it's like, guys. He's your best friend, remember? He's making intercession. He said, Lord, let them, Lord, let them know that I've come to set them free. Let them know that I've come to give them life. They don't have to experience death while they live here on earth. Because, see, sometimes when you walk in unforgiveness, it's like a death. But you let that thing, you think, I'm just going to kill it. But let it something else, somebody else do something that's close to that. It's like an open wound. And when they rub up against, you think it's all done, but when someone rubs up against that wound, you go, oh, and you thought you had dealt with it, but it really God's, and let me tell you something. If you're dealing with that even right now, there's things that are unforgiveness in your life towards someone. And God's just speaking to you by his Holy Spirit. And they, he puts that person's face or their name flashes. It's your opportunity to say today and say, God, I'm finally going to put the stake in this thing. I'm not going to allow this thing to control me, to have its way. Jesus forgives the crowd watching his crucifixion. If there was ever a time for bitterness, Calvary would have been it. The cross would have been it. While they were actually nailing to the cross, think about it. He seems to feel the injury they're doing to their own souls more than the wounds that they gave him. You see, you were free to forget. You're free to forgive because you've been freely forgiven. Amen? See, Jesus didn't come just to die. He came to teach us how to live. I love the saying, you know, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people come alive. And I can look, I'd be up here right now. It's been, it'd be 33 years that I've been saved, that I've given my life to the Lord. But I still remember like it was yesterday. The moment that I got down on my knees and I asked Jesus, for the first time I realized what my life and my decisions and my choices and my unforgiveness and my way of living and how it broke the heart of God. Because you know what God uses as an example? I got to see how it broke the people that loved me the most on the faces how I was breaking their heart. And God began to oh, give me a revelation. How much more must I be, if I'm breaking all these people's hearts that love me, that I can see, how much more must I be breaking the heart of God that knows me better than any of these people? Because I can't hide anything from them, from him. He knows me. The Bible says that he's well acquainted with all of our ways. 
and think that he still wants to come and get involved in our lives. And some of you go, well, I'm just too insecure to believe. I just don't believe that God could do this. I don't believe he's the God of the impossible. He has impossible. He has love that goes far beyond what you think, what you imagine. He comes to bring freedom, to set you free. Free. No more chains. No more weight. No more mask. You know, I love it. I can just be real. I don't have to put on a mask. Yo, here comes so-and-so. I got to be funny. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, I got to do that. Oh, I got to be sophisticated. I gotta... Can I tell you something? 33 years ago, put those masks aside. Now, those masks try to jump on me every once in a while. But that's where the Word of God comes. That's where the power of God comes. Are you with me this morning? See, I believe this. Jesus came to teach us to live. I know when we hear the story of Josh and Lindsay, it makes our heart heavy. But I think about the heart of God. How his heart must be heavy sometimes for the children that he loves and that he cares for. And you can come to church I would hope you could I would hope you would not just come to church and leave the same but you would come to church and say God set me free change me Amen Can we pray this morning Maybe you hear this morning say Pastor Bubba I I needed this message for me Would you pray for me Pastor Bubba I know there are things that I need to let go and I need God to set me free. I need to give me my heart. I need to get rid of these things in my life that I've been, hold, I've been holding to, onto. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I'll just pray for you this morning. Thank you. You can put it down. Anyone? Thank you. Thank you. All over this place. Anybody else? Okay. Thank you. You can put it down. Thank you. You can put it down. All over this place. Can we pray this prayer? Just pray this prayer with me under your breath and just... Just pray it like it's your prayer. Lord, today, I choose you. Thank you for sending Jesus to teach me your ways and your heart. To save me from myself and my sins. That you want to be close to me. Lord, today, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me for my own way for walking in disobedience and the lack of forgiveness and not having faith to believe you for the impossible. Lord, today, I ask you to begin to give me a hunger for your word, to give me a heart to obey, a heart to believe, and Lord, a heart to forgive those that have wronged me. Today I make Jesus my Lord. I want you to talk to him underneath you. Just talk to him. You just talk to him. Talk to him. He's been trying to talk to you. Maybe he's talked to you this morning. And your response maybe just needs to be, God, thank you that you're not dead. You're alive and you're speaking to me. You're reminding me of things in my own life. You love me enough that you don't want me to stay in the same place. Lord, come into our lives.
Come into my life. Make me brand new. I will serve you with all my heart and love and love you with everything. But Father, I pray that for every individual here this morning. I thank you, Father, for your word, that it's real, that it's powerful. I thank you, Father, for that you work. You are the God of the impossible. What seems impossible with us is so possible with you. That, God, you can forget, you can cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. That means it never meets again. It doesn't have to be a part of our lives. Lord, thank you. That, God, that we can know your plan and we can walk in obedience and bring pleasure to you. But, Lord, thank you for your unconditional love for every one of us here at this place this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Can you just... I don't want to say do me a favor. Because that sounds so lame. Can you just give the Lord a hand clap for that, his, that he loves you, that he works? He, come on. It's the Lord. He loves you. I can't imagine what it's going to be like when we match the face behind the voice we heard all of our lives. And we meet the crowd, the cheering squad that cheered us on. They were there. I think my grandmother's there. I think my daddy's there. You know, I think there's relatives I don't even know. There's going to be some people that I was thinking they didn't make it there. Because I didn't think they deserved it. You know what I'm saying? But you know, I can't imagine what it's going to be like when we walk through and we match the face and all the greetings and the cheers and, and everything that's surrounding us. And yet we can live on this earth and we can just kind of like, excite me. You know what I'm saying? We ought to be the most motivated people in the face of the earth. Because I believe this, every day you're selling something. You're selling something every day. Every day you present yourself in one or two ways, negative or positive. And people that are negative, oh, you don't want to be around them, do you? But someone who's positive... You know what? The thing you have, you have something very positive. That Jesus has forgiven you. He lives in your heart. And he set you free. You have something to say. Something to show this world. Something to tell. Amen? And don't you ever let the voices that sometimes rage against us say that you don't matter. That you're not good enough. You don't know enough. You don't have an experience enough. Let me tell you something. I believe this. It's like Papa Salerno, my old mentor, used to tell me, if God can use an ass him, he can use anybody. That's the King James Version of a donkey. If God can use a donkey to speak, he can use you. Amen? 